Hello, welcome to the long-delayed episode 26 of The Last Outpost. My name is Kerry William Purcell. Um, there's been numerous reasons why this has uh, taken so long to get out, but hopefully you'll enjoy it, as this week's guest is author and designer Craig Oldham. And Craig, as you'll hear, is originally from Barnsley, um, but now lives and works in Manchester. And I met up with Craig in Manchester in his studio, Office of Craig, to chat about why he became interested in design, what were his experiences of design education, and also his first sort of entree into the professional design world, and also why he decided to set up his own studio. I started by asking Craig if there was a particular moment or encounter that really turned him on to the world of design. So, let's begin. I used to remember, I, I do remember going to the cinema a lot and just wondering how they made those massive displays, you know. Right. You know, those just those horrible, yeah, those horrible cheesy cardboard pop-up things. But I used to remember, look at them as, almost like as a spectacle and you just think, who makes this shit, you know? Who does that? Whose job is it to sort of articulate something like that? Did you want to steal one? Oh, yeah. I, always used, I mean, I always used to go to, whenever I'd seen a film I liked, I always used to try and like sprint out as the credits were coming up and ask the people behind the glass you know can I have the poster and, when, and they say well we can't promise you but come back when the film stops screening and we'll see what we can do and my uh, my um, eldest brother his, his girlfriend used to work at Blockbuster Video and she used to bring a lot of the sort of right. point of sale and stuff home for me just because I was fascinated by yeah. it and it was that kind of stuff that kind of cultural communication and collateral that got me interested in it I've always had this eternal struggle with my family to try and explain what the fuck it is I do for a living. Um, so they must have had some patience when I was telling them this. They, even now they don't understand what it is. But telling them that when I'm 14 year old saying, Mum, I'm going to be a graphic designer. And they're going, what the fuck's a graphic designer? But still sort of going, okay, and having the faith. I, you know, I'm really lucky with that. There was that one instance when a designer was asked by their mum or dad, oh, what do you do? And he said, well... You know, see that, look at that poster. And the mum goes, oh, what, you make the type? No, 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 I don't do the type. And it was, look at that photograph there. Oh, you took the photograph? No, I didn't take the photograph. Oh, you know, and it basically goes on and yeah, on. Yeah. So what did you do? I had that exact experience with my nan. She absolutely burnt me to death <laughs> with this book that I'd done. And I just, but she was, it was one of the best lessons I ever learned because I was too busy, I was too preoccupied with what I'd done as a designer and showing off those kinds of elements. And actually, no one gives a shit you get too big, you know, yeah exactly and it was great it was such a great experience to sort of because what she taught me ultimately was as a designer I should just give a shit about the content and what it's trying to what is it trying to achieve and how can I help it achieve that rather than me focusing on all the kind of you know stupid anal details I've gone, gone into it she didn't care about white space or what fucking effectiveness of a tight face and all that yeah. kind of nonsense yeah. she just wants to know is it a good book <laughs> Yes, it's a good read. Yes. And that, in a roundabout way, is the only question, really. Yeah, you know, exactly. And it's the absolute right question and yeah. the right response to it. And that, you know, completely changed fundamentally how I ever approached being a designer. Yeah. And that just came from my nanan, you know. 
I think everybody just sort of latches onto those people that believe in them. That first time when you realise that somebody believes in you and they back you, I think that is really powerful. And it just tends to a lot of the time be teachers. But my yeah, my when I was doing GCSE, um, I almost didn't pick it like as an option. I remember like we would they'd do like a sort of fucking carousel thing. And you'd sort of work your way through all the technology. So you'd do like a week in the wood shop bit, and then so in, the, like the in the me- well, he was, <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, except you're just making bird boxes. But um, <laughs> and you sort of do the wood shop, the metal work, and there was this other one that they just sort of bundled everything else in, which was called graphic products, which essentially just made you do technical drawing right. of of like toothpaste and shit like that. And I didn't really like it. I was sort of leaning towards more electronics because you could burn your friends with a soldering iron. <laughs> but, um... but that reminds me, it's like, we could do chemistry or get a Bunsen burner, you could like put powder down the Bunsen yeah, yeah. and hit it on the side. And there's a spark. Yeah, it's like setting traps, isn't it, in the lunch still, like unscrewing the salt and leaving it there for somebody. <laughs> but um, yeah, so, so I was leaning towards that. And the teacher who was teaching design products then uh, sort of announced at the end of that lesson oh, well I'm not going to be teaching if he chooses as an option it'll be this other chap who's coming in and he's called Mr Green it's Chris Green and he was essentially uh, he was an engineer and he'd been ousted with all the sort of heavy industry drops in, in Barnsley and South Yorkshire and stuff he found his sort of opportunities few and far between so he'd gone into teaching because as an engineer you know you can teach maths because it's obviously shit hot and he could do technology and he wants to do the graphics stuff. So he sort of had a chat with me and he just said, no, it's not just all this technical drawing, there's lots of other stuff, you should do it. So I, I, I gambled and I took it. And I remember the first lesson, walked through the door and we all sat down and whatever else. And he, he, he had, it was a, even, I mean, we never had blackboards, but it was one of those classrooms that we just had a blackboard for some reason. It was one of those rolling yeah. ones. You know, you pull it down, it makes yeah. a horrible screech and yeah. And he had one of them and he just said, I'm supposed to be teaching you all this, but fuck that. And he literally swore. And he said, I'm, we're going to talk about this. And he, he had on there just like three letters and he just started talking about typography, about ascenders and descenders and all this kind of stuff. And I just thought, wow, this is fascinating. But I bet it was also partly to do the way he did do that. Yeah, him, probably, said, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm not doing that. And uh, it's almost like saying, come here. He was, yeah, he was, but he was such a. He was. I always remember him really fondly for lots of reasons. He was. Yeah. He was such a such an accessible teacher. You know the way he his lessons were. You know you had to do your stuff, and if you didn't do it, you, you know he came down on you hard. And like everybody did, there was a discipline there. But I just remember him being so accessible because he talk just like a person to you. He treat yeah. you yeah. fairly. Yeah, exactly. There was none of this detention this and all this and yeah there was there was none of that hierarchy you know he even used to say you know like when the lessons were finishing he'd be like come on finish up I need a cigarette and stuff like that it was just you, you felt like on a level with him and he, he put a lot of faith in me and, and he sort of he taught me a hell of a lot not just about the sort of technical stuff and the things I needed to sort of pass the exam but the the other things around it as well the fact just just the sheer insight that I had at a 14 year old boy that there was an industry that did this stuff that this, that these film posters that I loved and these books that I adored, they didn't just magically appear in the yeah. world. There was someone who's, who made a living out of that. That was their career, and that was called a graphic designer. I love the fact that it wasn't done by probably you know some great yeah. god of design. I, I like the fact that I had a, a real democratic and accessible kind of way into it, and I think that's informed a lot because 
I see now like when I've done sort of personal projects, but in, you know, particularly the books I do, is that I've seen that these things, these these, you know, these bits of ephemera, they're almost like triggers. In much in the way that music is, like if you hear a song instantly, you're that age again when you first heard it in that nightclub or with that girl or boy or whatever. Yeah. You're in that experience and that world and it's like a time capsule has just happened in, in the snap of your fingers. Yeah. And I've seen that happen with graphics, which is so strange because you think it's it's kind of throwaway, but you know, people have seen a poster from the minor strike and instantly they're gone, they're back in the dad's garage seeing that poster or that sticker being on the somebody's helmet or jacket or whatever. And they, they are triggers and I love that. to Falmouth I just it felt really good and I loved the sort of approach that the course gave me not not in a kind of they didn't give me a hard sell they actually scared the shit out of me you know the, I remember the, the the person who sort of showed us around did the open day and then sat down answered all the questions and then joined the, the, the team of staff to interview people individually and I remember the experience we sat in this little room there was only about 10 of us all you know from different backgrounds and whatever else and he just sort of said, oh, no, you won't have that, and you, you need to do this, and it's really this is really fucking hard, and they would, we'd, we'd make you do this, and you're not allowed to pass the course unless you've done this, and all this. And I was, everybody was like, jaws on the table, like, fuck, get me out of here. And they sort of put us into this other studio space and just said, right, someone will come and call your name, and then you can go and have your interview. And, we, and I remember there's a group, we all sat there just going, fuck, you know, and... And one of the there was a girl who sat opposite me and she was just like, God, I hope I don't get him. And I was like, Yeah, I know, no, I don't I hope I don't get him. And then he, he came around the corner and went, Craig. <laughs> I was like, fuck. Uh, but I just loved it and I loved the way that he actually spoke about the work and my work. And he, he just sort of got it and it made me feel right. The other places felt really kind of I don't know, for lack of a better term, up their own ass. Like I went I went to St. Martin's and I just thought these people will eat me alive. You know, I just yeah. I won't enjoy the experience. Yeah, it just it didn't feel right for me. But at the time, and in fact, even in Falmouth, I struggled. Um, Long it was, yeah, and I, you know, I, I at the time, it, you know, we were talking about this, but at the time, it wasn't trendy to be a designer and like football. You know, it was the, these people all came. I was literally the only Northerner there, and all these other people came from pretty pretty big places like Bristol and London and Exeter and. I was from the you know arse end of Yorkshire, uh, and I, they didn't dress like me. They didn't. They certainly didn't talk like me. And there was a lot of different sort of backgrounds and pools that people, the resources that they were bringing into sort of conversations and discussions, and the people they were referencing, the work they were referencing. I felt so alien. I, I was like, I don't know any of these people. I don't know that. I don't know. I didn't even know what an agency was then, I just knew they were designers. I talk about this when I talk to students a lot because I try and try and try and share my experiences with them. I, I never want to let go of that Craig that was that age, in his third year, staying up till God knows what to finish his work, you know, red-eyed, no finger ends left from all the scalpel cuts. And, you know, I, I remember how anxious and unsettled I felt. And I remember it took me ages to feel comfortable in my own skin in Falmouth and then feel comfortable on the course. And before you knew it, I had to leave again. 
and I had to do all that again in another, probably in another city, in, in London or wherever. And I never, I'm, you know, people go through that every year, essentially, and I'm never going to let myself forget that because if I can just, you know, if I've achieved anything in my career and I can share that with people and just stand in front of them and say, look, if, you know, I'm not special. I fucking felt like that before. And, yeah. you know, my ass used to fall through when deadlines came and I didn't know what to do with anything. And so... I just want to sort of open that discussion up yeah. for people, but it, is, it, it was yeah. really hard. Yeah. It was really hard. They didn't dress like me or anything. I just used to feel weird. And for years and years and years, I just used to think, well, they know what they're on about and they know what a designer is and they know all these people that I don't, so they must know. So I used to try and think, you know, I, remember, I used to think, right, shit, right, I'll get some Converse. I might need to buy a shitload of black T-shirts. And, you know, I need to get a nice little satchel for myself because that's what designers wear and they, they, they like eating this kind of stuff. I, I literally used to think like that. I used to think, well, they know what they're doing, so I have to behave like that if I want to be a designer. And I'm, I, I, I admit it, you know, I'm, I'm so ashamed of myself that I let that kind of come in, you know. Because yeah. actually now, when I got the confidence and I got in the industry and I realised how much of a fucking nonsensical idea that is, and it's bollocks, that I, I just that actually I've, I've wasted a lot of time trying to be something I'm not when actually the thing that would have made me even more successful would have been just being myself what they don't realise and I, I, don't, I don't mean this in a patronising way it's just, a, it's just an exposure and experience thing is that because the industry feels a million miles away from them it feels like this this island that they can kind of see a little bit of on the, yeah. on the horizon but they've got no idea how to get there and it's not like that at all it, it really isn't and it's the, the industry is, you know, just a middle-class white boys playground, and it's those that because of that that makeup that it has, it's it's just crippled now, you know. That is, it's just suffering with so many problems of gender and race and background and class, and and I'm just trying to sort of do my bit to say, look, I know it feels really horrible now that you're a bit that you feel different because it is a kind of you know education really is a predominantly middle-class thing. I know it feels a bit weird because you might come from a different class or, you know, you might, you might be, a, you know, a woman in a man's world or whatever, you know, your, your gender affects the way that you feel. All of those things, it's kind of like, but that makes you unique. That yeah. makes you original. And you can't have it both ways. The industry seems to feel that it, so it has this outward projection that creativity is this fucking feral thing that we can't control and, and it... it, it it only works when all the ideas are different and everything's different and you've got to have so much sort of knowledge about things and you know diversity this and that and the other and yet they cut you inwardly behind the closed doors in the studios they just hire in the mirror you know they just hire people oh you get on with me and you, you know what I like and you, know, you, you, you make me laugh and it's sort of it's really kind of inward facing and I, I'm trying to reassure them to say look it needs you because you've got something different and you're yeah. going to break that kind of system yeah. where, where everybody's having the same fucking ideas because they've all got the same references coming in. You haven't. You're going to come up with something better or different or challenge them and it needs that. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm sort, of, sort of hedgehog over the fucking thing and just keep going because it, it, it will benefit and it will get better for everybody if those people don't feel that they have to sort of hammer themselves into line or into a certain mould.
So after leaving Falmouth, I went straight to London, which it, it, if there was one downfall of Falmouth, it was that they told you you had to go to London to make a career. Now, I'm not necessarily blaming them for that. I think that's just They're probably what they know. Yeah. yeah, blame London, the big lung yeah. that, that yeah. inhales everybody in the yeah. morning and then it eggs you yeah, down south. But, um, but to be honest, I, I, I don't think I'd have done it any other way. Uh, I would def I'd definitely have no regrets about it, but in, in, the, sec in the second year of a three-year course, we couldn't get on to the third year unless we'd, we'd done what they called either at least two weeks professional experience, which is essentially a placement internship thing, or we'd got a live brief from somewhere and done that if we couldn't get a placement, or we could have done both. And that was like the sort of, the real turning point for me. I was lucky enough to get a placement at a packaging agency in London. By complete chance, they sort of liked my work and just said, yeah, come in for two weeks. Uh, and I sort of, you know, phoned around everybody I knew to see if anybody knew anybody in London. That's what, and my sister said, oh, I've got a friend who has a friend who might, you know, be able to let you sleep on the sofa. So I did that for two weeks and it was just eye-opening. It was amazing for me personally. It was for everybody else. When we came back after that sort of term, you know, we, had, we used to meet on a Monday morning and, and have the whole year group together and you could see that it, it gave everybody the lift because yeah, they were changed. like, wow, I can do this, I can yeah. do this. Or it, they went the other way and like, this is not for me and whatever. Equally as valuable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember thinking that for me, I remember thinking, shit, I can actually do this. I'm not, I'm not shit. I'm not, you know, amazing. I'm nowhere up to the standards of the designers that were working there professionally. But I thought, no, it's, it, I can find my own way through this. But more so than that, I thought, right, internships and placements, they're going to be my key because I I'm not I'm not the best designer in this fucking room never mind in the in the country at the time so I'm going to have to sort of lend my other attributes to it, my work ethic my kind of attitude my willingness to learn all these other things that everybody sort of forgets about that's going to be the way I'm going to get in and I'm just going to have to hope and hope and hope that someone takes me on through that endeavor mm. you know I just I just saw it as if I'm gone, I want them to know that I'm not there anymore. Even even if that's just because they ain't got a cup of tea as regular as often, you know, as they as they would have. Yeah. That's just what I wanted to. Yeah. I wanted to sort of feel that. Yeah. But I, so indispensable. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I used to. So I was as soon as I got back from there, I was like every sort of break I got was trying to get placements. Mm. So I was lucky enough to get placements for the summer, and then I started my third year, and I went to Edinburgh for my Christmas break in my third year. And I went to London in my Easter break, and then I was in, and I had somewhere lined up for when I graduated. Really lucky, just placements. So I was just hammering it, hammering it, and went to a placement at the Partners in London, and they gave me a job, and I hated it. <laughs> it was absolutely fucking shite. Why? I, it was lots of. I'm being harsh on them, but <laughs> it, it, I, I, well, I really, I really loved the Partners work. You know, the classic kind of smile in the mind shit that yeah. you used to see. You see fucking pumped around all the time classic kind of 90s graphic design era yeah and I used to kind of like that I used to and I used to see some of the stuff they were doing and you know that and other agencies that were doing that like the chase as well which I then worked for after the partners but I'll come to that and it was just one of them I just thought they're really interesting I like their work I like doing that kind of work myself maybe it's a good fit I enjoyed my two weeks there on placement before they sort of said oh you've got a job and um but they just sold out to WPP at the time and there were redundancies and everybody was fucking miserable and 
so I think it was just a hard time for everybody and I think you know that's you, no matter how much you try that you collateral damage everybody's collateral damage when redundancy start happening and it's horrible no matter where you work um, so I just think I think it was just a kind of an atmosphere that I didn't want to be around particularly for my first gig but I'd been on a placement at the chasing and they sort of said oh do you want to come to us so that's how I ended up in Manchester they were like got a big job on come up here you can and again after a bit of time they just said oh you might as well have a job on you and that's how I ended up here and I worked at the chase for a couple of years and that was that was completely different you know ups and downs but the people were amazing the work sort of came in in drips and drabs but I learnt so much how did it feel going from London to Manchester what was the well, I had no affinity to Manchester no. at all. I'd never, I'd only ever been here to watch Barnsley get beat seven 0 <laughs> which was fucking forgettable. And even that wasn't even coming here. You know, you literally got off a coach at Old Trafford and got came it's out of Old Trafford well, and got back you, on one. At least had the pleasure of playing here. <laughs> yeah, I'd quite enjoy that town. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, luckily, that same season we came back and, and drew with them to get a replay and then beat them in the FA Cup. So, but um, I'd ne- yeah, I'd never had any kind of affinity with the place. But I, you know, London was hard for me. It was, I didn't. Even though, like all my friends from graduating went there, it, it was that whole farmer thing again. I felt so alien there, and I used to get the piss absolutely ripped out of me for being, being a Yorkshireman and just being a Northern. It was. Yeah, I, know, I know it sounds yeah, stupid. And I'm just. I'm just going to sound like I'm whinging, but you know, I, I used to. I used to just say the, the normal words, and they just. I get repeated all, every single time, and it yeah. just used to. Knocked me a little bit, you know. I was, a, I'm a, well, I still am, you know, a sensitive little git. But you, did, you didn't feel like, um, uh, like you did at Falmouth when you, you know, buying the Converse or in the back T-shirt. You didn't think, oh right, I'm going to try and maybe speak slightly differently because I. I used to no, I used to try. Yeah. I, when I was um, when I left school, virtually no qualifications, and um, and then I thought, right, actually, I'm going to try and do um, go back to college, and I met some. Uh, Students who were going to there, going to college, who were from pretty middle-class backgrounds, and I remember being with some guys in a van, working-class friends of mine, and uh, and, um, and one of them turned to me and went, "Oh, you speak, you speak really posh." And what it was, I was just trying, instead of saying, you know, doesn't, I'd say does not or something, and it was really. And but what I've realised now, like some kind of chameleon, over the year, I've been, I've lived, I've lived um, longer outside of Grimsby now than I lived in it. I left in 91, and uh, so a lot, lot longer out there now than I was in it. And um, when I go back now, if I speak to anyone who I don't know, they think I'm from London all the time. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm from here. You know, I think I've got a quite a broad yeah, accent, yeah. but actually when I go back to Barnes, they go, oh, fucking hell, you know. <laughs> so I stay safe. It never, never goes away, yeah. yeah. But I, I did, I used to try and sort of, I try and take the edge off certain words, but there, 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 when it, I mean, you'll know, mate. When you're from Yorkshire, there's some words you'll never be able to change, like make. I can never. It's mech. Yeah. I can never say make. Even now, I have to think about it really yeah. hard. Yeah. But yeah, those things just happen, and, they, and then you just get ripped for it, and it just used to really, really. It was quite painful, really. Yeah. So when I came to Manchester, it was exactly the same <laughs> well I'm from wrong side at Pennines aren't I yeah, up here yeah. so that's sort of the old bloody Yorkshire but it was least, it was uh, less so least at least I knew what Dandelion and Burdock were up here <laughs> and I didn't have to worry about that you know so, so. Um, you had Chase for the Chase yeah a yeah, couple of years a couple years. of years and then what was the catalyst to make you think I'm going to go out this well that, that teacher that I was telling you about who was my sort of third 
teacher, John Unwin, who was at Falmouth still, yeah. he was the guy who scared the shit out of me and then interviewed me and then actually became my sort of sage down there. He always used to say to me, move for the World Cups. Every time there's a World Cup on, you should start getting the itch. So basically he was saying, four years or so, at, yeah. the, the, at that point in your career, is long enough somewhere unless it's like still giving you the, yeah. the, the goods. Um, and, and I'd not been there two years, but it, my, my kind of, I felt like my learning curve was really, really sharp, really steep. And they were throwing me into things and I was loving it and I was learning a lot. But there was always one sort of drawback and that was just because of the size of the agency. They were, the chase was really big for a design agency then. They had about 40 people across three offices. Mm. And, there was, and Manchester was the hub, so there was a good 25, 30 there. And you'd, you'd be running on a project and get really excited and then it'd have to go somewhere else or to someone else's desk. Right. And that used to frustrate me a little bit. Or equally, it'd come the other way. Someone had have been working on something and then they couldn't work on it because they had a commitment and you'd get this sort of tail end of it and it's like you're alienated from the yeah the, the kind of classic marks this is it's like it's someone on the on, on the on the on the type of uh, on the work line type of they're making one little bit of a car yeah you know, yeah and it did, did feel like that and i understand it you know when you're that size you, you can't you can't not everybody can have that kind of luxury but it did used to just sort of frustrate me where i felt like i was learning and i was kind of just outgrowing it a little bit that kind of model and I'd never done something small, so I was kind of looking for that. And I was lucky enough that uh, David Simpson at Music uh, liked my stuff, and he was—he he was literally—he he found an agency called Love up here in Manchester, and he'd left Love. Him and he, I think it was—I think it was five partners, and he, he just said, "No, I want to do my own thing." And he'd left, and he started an agency with two other fellows called uh, Matt and Nant. Started an agency called Music, and got wind of this and I knew I loved love <laughs> I loved their work uh, and I knew Dave's reputation and stuff and he he said right come on board and mm. took me on and so we went I went from sort of 25-30 people to working with three blokes that had just been in a flat you know and then there was me and another lad who was an art worker slash sort of office manager John and it was just you know four or five of us dicking around in a room having to do everything because there was no one else to do it and yeah. That was that was amazing for me. That was when my eyes kind of, when my eyes didn't open, I was aware that I wanted to try it, but I didn't. I wasn't aware how much I would love that kind of small environment yeah. and that kind of not only the, what it does for your relationships because you bond really quickly with everybody, but equally just the way that you can handle the work and, and get the most out of it and learn so much every day. Yeah. Um, that was really kind of invigorating for me, and I loved it there. Loved it. What type um, of work were you doing? What type of everything, yeah. everything. I mean, the, the, the sort of main client that I think, you know, not to speak out of term, yeah. but I guess you know, the, 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 the main client that sort of allowed music to exist in the early days was they had Manchester City as a client. And I think, I, I don't know, because I, I never really asked when I was that. Yeah. And things change as you sort of get exposed to the business and you rise through it. But I think they essentially had a retainer with them, so they had guaranteed work and that allowed them to sort of do a lot. And they were doing everything for Man City and loving football in one hand and loving design in the other and then smashing those two together for the first time was just great, you know, for me, learned a lot. But we, 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 were at that, we were at that age where we were, as an agency, we were, you know, we were ambitious, we were quite ferocious, we were, we were winning work we shouldn't have been winning and beating people we shouldn't have been beating in, certain, certain, in getting that work. And we just got, it was like everything was an opportunity and we tried to do the best we could for every opportunity, no matter who it was. And I think they really taught me that actually you don't 
don't go hunting the clients. Every, a lot of designers I see, they just run for fucking Nike or mm. all these big names because they think that's where the great work is because they see great work by those people. But actually, they taught me, you know, Dave, Ant and Matt, that it, it comes from relationships. Mm. If you get on with somebody, don't matter what they do, you'll do great work for them. Even people if, will come to you. Yeah, they could be fucking, you know, milkmen and you could do a really great piece of work for them mm. that helps their business and that's yeah. as valuable and, you know, as important as these multinational, multi-million pound people. Yeah. And we grew from there, really. But again, it was a similar kind of story. We were victims of his own success in that we were we, we, doing, doing really well, but we just we had to take more people on and grow. And in a blink, in sort of three, four years, we were, I was back in an agency with 25 people and I just... And I was at the other end. I was at the shitter end of the stick because I just didn't know it. You know, I was managing people and yeah. sort of just doing special projects and then doing my own work and self-initiating my own kind of projects thinking I was ambitious when actually I, was, I, I, I realised now I was just frustrated yeah. and I wanted to do something different completely and you know I'm, I'm eternally grateful to what I got there but mm. it was just one of those things that it was going one way and I wanted to go another and it was never going to go my way yeah. it's not my thing so and that was where I made the sort of point the choice to sort of just do it and it was a real crime of passion I didn't really think about it at all I just thought I think a couple of things I really disagreed with were starting to happen and or did happen. I just went, ah, fuck this, I'm off. Yeah. And literally just started me noticing and went. Um, and I actually left my girlfriend and my flat in the same week. <laughs> just like wild coyote. <laughs> and you know it was just fucking, it, it was great. It was I'm the best great, thing I ever did. I'm a great believer that, you know, if you don't instigate a crisis, a crisis will visit you. Yeah. And you'll have no control over it. Best to instigate the crisis and have a degree of control yeah, yeah, and actually exactly. direct it where you want to go than just let it come like a big wave crash over. It is, it's like you've got five things in front of you, four of them are going to blow up, so yeah. pick which ones you want to blow yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And uh, I think it's, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, I'd never advise anybody to do it in, <laughs> in terms of, oh, I'm going to start my own thing if they want to do that. I didn't yeah. really know I wanted to start my own thing. All I knew was what I didn't want to do. Yeah. And I didn't want to. I didn't want to sort of continue where I was. But equally, I didn't want to just start a sort of smaller, cheaper version of what that was five years ago. Because yeah. that I know where that road leads. Yeah. So it was. A, it was. A, it was the the easy thing would have been to do that. You know, to just start up my own agency yeah. and pretend I was an agency. But I wanted to sort of have a, a a more rich and varied diet. I wanted to do more writing. I wanted to do more kind of projects that I was pulling together and almost like I was the sort of the client really again I sort of I try and explain this to students because I think there's a perception of of me that I'm just sort of sat in this office fucking doing you know thinking up stuff that I want to do and then doing it and that is really wrong <laughs> you know I've got fucking rent to pay as well yeah, but it's like but I do think it is a distinguishing feature that I've actually sort of manoeuvred into a position where I can actually produce things that I want to produce have my principles in them, do the things I want to do in them and then let them go into the world without sort of really staking too much financially on it or it costing me or it, it having to be a real knife-edge deal-breaker if this doesn't, you know, if this book doesn't sell and then yeah. I've, the house is on the line kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, and just having enough room to sort of produce those things I think is, it is a real distinguishing part of why people want to work with me in the future. So do you have a core team you work with or...? Are you, how many people work here? Uh, just me and Hannah at okay. the moment, yeah. Right. I mean, that, that does swell up and down. We've got a, yeah. another designer, Georgia. She's doing an MA at Manchester. Right. So she comes in as sort of auxiliary yeah. uh, one day a week. 
um, and helps us out and picks stuff up. But I don't, again, I don't run it as a sort of, yeah. the, you know, I think there's like, I've always thought there's like three models that exist. Here we go, fucking hell. There's three models, you, and, you know, there's like the... Your, the yeah, well, well I, th- I, I think there's, there's sort of two that are quite similar. There's a sort of Reservoir Dogs model, which is essentially a bunch of people that do a similar kind of thing, get together, but they don't, it never really works. It's always a bit dysfunctional, but they do, they do do some good shit every now and again. So you're sort of thinking, you know, things like tomato and yeah. things like that. Yeah. And then you've got a similar to that, but it's like the Ocean's Eleven model, where everybody does a little <laughs> different thing, and they come together to do one thing very well. So there's one designer, one for whatever, yeah. and you have that kind of collective feel. And then there's like 90% of the industry, which is the godfather model, isn't it? You know, it's one person. Even if there's a new, numerous people at the top, they all sort of, in their own dynamic, normally go to one person. And then it just cascades. Yeah. And, you know, that's... Like I said, the majority of what model, whether people like to admit it or not, that's generally what they take. Yeah. And I've always been frustrated. I've always, I, I always think that that model works because it, it would do well, it's ubiquitous, but it's kind of upside down, you know. The, all the energy in those businesses is always at the bottom. It's the young people that come in and they, they're yeah. so ambitious and the, the dead giddy and chuff that they've got into those places. And that's generally where the buzz is and that yeah. bit. And then it sort of, for whatever reason, sort of tapers off you as you go further up the triangle, whether you've had it beaten out of you or you become yeah. miserable or you've just found what your groove is or whatever. And, you know, I've always wanted to, that my model if you get it it's always it's, I've always wanted to have the turtles you know I want to be splinter right. but I want the young'uns to sort of yeah run I, do, I just want to be the person that kind of goes here's something to do go and do it and if you need me I'll be in my cave sure I suppose to be devil's in a way I suppose to be devil's advocate it's um, not a good analogy why why did you give it the name Office of Craig because I'm very creative because <laughs> <laughs> that as well as there is a sort of sense like Office. <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, yeah, you no, know, you're right. But uh, I mean, it's. It, I can understand that completely. But it's actually, it's a piss take, really. Okay. It's you know, it's a piss take of vanity. Right. Okay. It's I, I, you know, I, I like office because it's a bit more workmanlike. I hate all that studio shit. Yeah. You know, studio this, studio that, yeah. designed by X or whatever the yeah. fucking put in yeah. there. Yeah. And but on, on, I guess on a more serious note, is I wanted people to know that if they want to work with me, they were going to get me. And I'm not gonna. I'm not hiding so behind. Not hiding I'm not behind. Yeah, some yeah. Logo or you know, music. Music had a rationale, but you know, it is a kind of generic name. You know, yeah. there were. I mean, there was yeah. one called fucking Navy Blue, wasn't there? Which you know, I, I did a, all these kind of weird fucking monikers that people seem to just sort of think up, and people agonise over it. Fuck me, they lose years setting up. That's the first thing they want to think about. Ooh, what are we gonna be called? It's just, I just, I, I, I even got to that point where I was thinking, oh, I could have caught this, could have But it's like, no, fuck that. Get, just get over it. Get over it, you know. Yeah. You're starting from nothing, and, and it, all I had was my own individual reputation to go off, yeah. and I wanted to work closely with people, so why not just be me? Yeah. And and now it's sort of grown and mutated to a point where it's, it's, it's there's other people here. But, they, you know, they don't, you know, I, I mean, Hannah's not here to sort of vouch for it, but... I'm sure she doesn't feel like it's sort of a weight on her. She doesn't do. She definitely doesn't do my bidding. 
Does she answer the phone and say office of Craig? Yes, she does, yeah. So do I though, which is weird. Try this the worst the worst case, the worst fucking thing is when people ask me what my email address is and it's like I send my name three fucking times. <laughs> oh it's Craig at fucking Craig dot Craig <laughs> And you just think, Oh god, like, god this guy's an ego. You what have I become? <laughs> you know. But no, it's it's it's, it's much more of a piss take and I I, like I want John Malkovich. Yeah, like, yeah. Fuck <laughs> me, meta. But I just want it to be a sort of vehicle for people to do great work and I believe I believe in that idea that the, the energy is with the young people and I get bored of my own ideas. I don't, I, I don't think there's, you know, whether you've been in the industry 20, 30 years or two or three weeks, it's, that doesn't make you have better ideas. It, you, any, everyone can have a great idea and can have, find a great solution or be a great designer. The, the only thing that changes is the experience and the sort of, you can get to those things and you can shape those things and control the way that those ideas come to life in the real world better with experience. That's the only difference, mm. how long you've been doing it. Mm. So I just want to sort of let people have great ideas and then use my experience to sort of help them make them and realise them and teach them along the way. Mm. So when Hannah works in here or Georgia or, or Rob before them, they come, they get a brief and they just it's their thing, it's their project and they learn you know I, I sit down with them and ask them this shit but you know they learn so much from just getting on with things and it gives them so much more confidence in themselves because they think like I felt they think that they can't do it and they think the way they've been doing it at uni in their own sort of close quarters is is weird because it's like oh but that's the way I do it and they don't realise that that's what everybody does mm -hmm. so if, to have someone else come in from an outside party and just go oh yeah that's a really good idea well, have you thought about doing it like this or oh maybe we could do this and I show them things or things I've done or we've printed on this before or whatever it is and you just lend your experience that way so that they get something out of it and I get something out of that it's just like teaching you know I don't believe that you know teachings and martyrdom you know I don't I don't buy into that fucking bollocks that oh I only teach because I think of the children that, <laughs> yeah I'm sure you do and I'm sure that's great as well but there is a bit of you that gets a real kick out of knowing you've helped somebody out of knowing that you've you've yeah. kind of interfered with somebody's life a little bit and made yeah, it better. I think for me, do you know what I mean? I'd like to corrupt them. You know, but there's there's something in it for you. That's it's what I mean. Old philosophical thing in a way that you know, it's like I just want to corrupt them of the idea that when they're aiming for grades or when they're aiming for this, I want to sort of corrupt them of that illusion. Yeah. That this is important because that isn't important. Um, that's my goal, I think, ultimately. So, and to kick back against the institution that they're in and how they're experiencing other maybe encounters they have with staff and things yeah. like that is to try and destroy that. I always say to um, my wife, I say, oh, I really want to, in the one of the first meet students, but I'll probably get arrested, I really wanted to show them a picture of me on the toilet naked, just to destroy <laughs> any vestiges of status or yeah. symbolic position. I want to just destroy that so it just becomes us working together doing something yeah. which is um, but that probably wouldn't be a good image so uh. no well <laughs> no, but I, I completely know what you mean because yeah. you know you, you, I'm sure everybody's had those experiences when they see the fucking primary school teacher down at Asda or something they're like <laughs> oh my god they're a real person they eat oh my god they've got a coat you know it's just fucking it's weird funny, I, it's I, weird I, I had a friend who had almost the opposite experience who was teaching at an FE college and she wasn't earning enough money so she'd work on the deli counter at Sainsbury's and some of her students would come in and sit on the deli counter hi, at miss. Sainsbury's <laughs> hi how you doing what do you want? Yeah, it's, it's so yeah. I don't know. I think I think that's just my kind of Ben Casey at the Chase. He's you know he's a professor. He's, he's taught all his all his working life as well as works as a designer. And 
the chase is a real kind of you know you know how they have like teaching hospitals where you you only get sort of looked after by people who are still learning yeah. at various levels yeah. that's kind of what the chase is it's kind of a a, a sort of educational design right. place and it has some real serious experience steering the ship they, they don't get everything right but I think that really did that was one of the things that I took away from the chase left some things took that with me mm. that I actually I, I do believe that education is really important and it don't stop at uni yeah. you, you're supposed to learn all the time and I think there's I think some people can forget that well, particularly when they get senior in, in agencies, even, even well, I guess in any walk of life, mm. that their job isn't just to sort of keep themselves in position, it's actually to bring other people along with them yeah. and to share what they've learned so that every, those people behind you in the kind of scheme of things are actually better than you when they arrive yeah. at the place you are. So and like the back down. Yeah, essentially, yeah. People just forget, I think, yeah. sometimes. Um, and I, th- I, I just, like I say, I can't let go of how I felt when I was in those situations and the frustrations that I had when I was at uni, when I left uni, first job, second job, big agency, small agency, I keep hold of them because if, I have a, if I'm in a position, I want to not do to people what I didn't like. Yeah. Um, and try, and so with Hannah and people that work with me, I try and not inf- enforce those things on them. Yeah. And you know, in a way, give them enough room to find their own way through things and make mistakes that they need to make yeah. and sort of be there enough to sort of help pick them up. Mm-hmm. and you know not let the business crash and burn in the process but that's that's the way I, I, I try and run it and it in a kind of as, as much as it can be in an organic way really mm-hmm. so that they can be as ambitious as they want they'll get out of it what they put in yeah um, and it's actually really quite rewarding to see that um, to see people come to you with ideas that you would have never have had and then realise them together but then them steering and you just sort of you know, being the driving instructor. Yeah. I, I, I love that. I love that feeling. So what's the future for this office of Craig? Just I have no idea. Smaller projects and uh, all big You don't want to necessarily go down the path of expanding because you're back to square, yeah. square one. I don't know. You know I, t- I think there's a model out there somewhere for me. I think if it can centre around, if it can be, you know, completely flat and heterarchical rather than hierarchical, then yeah. I think that, you know, there might be room for that. But at the moment... I, I, I let the business grow by the work that we want to do rather than the yeah. work we have to do. Yeah. Um, and because, as again, I, I really value that, I, I really think that people should have interests outside of design that aren't design. I won't ever fucking hire someone who, who wants to be a graphic designer and is only interested in graphic design. It's like, nah, if you're dead to me, fuck that. I'd rather talk to you about anything else. Yeah. yeah. And, and we'll put that, we'll filter your graphic design yeah. through your own exactly. interests and experiences, yeah. but we won't do it the other way. It's true. It's um, what I say to students is that, you know, you're in this room are mothers, brothers, sisters, citizens, neighbours, supporters, you know, people with hobbies, you know, whatever it means, uh, obsessive fans of this weird thing. And I said, they're far more interesting in here than anything to do with I, me being a lecturer, you being a student, or some thing called design or illustration. Yeah. It's actually, can we bring all these different things into what we do and have a talk about it and yeah. chat about it? And that's the goal. Yeah. Design is a means, not an end to yeah. me. And it's, I think it's when, it, when people seem to think that it is the end goal, that that's all they want to do is, 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 is design things and objects. I think that's where I think people... I don't know, I just think they're missing out. There's so much more richer things to do with it. Yeah. And, and I, I just see it as a it's, a, it's a really 
great sort of cloak to infiltrate into all these other worlds mm. um, so you know like Hannah she's a really keen photographer and she takes loads of photographs and they're amazing and it's like right how can you do that for a client how can we get you to do that how, do you want to do that in the first place or whatever and you know me with my writing and my publishing and things like that we all sort of share those things and I encourage her to sort of have time to do those things as well as do the other stuff that she's learning she really loves doing exhibition design so we're doing a lot of that um, so it's, it's about those things as well just, just getting interested in other stuff mm. and I, I find you know, like ex- one of the reasons why we do a lot of exhibition design is that it, they're always about fucking something else do you know what I mean you get to learn a hell of a lot about something you're doing an exhibition on yeah. it's not branding where you sort of fall into your own ass talking about you know endless guidelines and oh fuck that I'd rather die um, you know there's something else of the yeah. real world involved an yeah and you get to literally apply your design to the world yeah and I like that and that's why I love exhibitions and books because you get to work with meaningful content yeah. enjoyed that i'd like to thank craig for welcoming me into his studio his lovely studio in manchester in the center of the city um afterwards we went for a drink in a what possibly is the smallest pub in britain um and chatted about football and uh politics and growing up in the north of england in the 1980s and 90s but um it was great to meet up with him and like i say i hope you enjoyed it So that's it for this episode. Hopefully it won't be as long until I publish the next one. I do have a few interviews done. It's just a case of editing them. So, as always, thanks for listening and I will speak to you soon. Bye.